friends, you have now entered the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper, a podcast where we talk mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other fun topics and conversations. So sit back and join us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our awesome friends from Hy-V and Toyson Ford. I'm your host, Dan Casper, just like every episode of the podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk a little Brewers. How concerned should you, should we, be about Corbin Burns after his outing against the Arizona Diamondbacks on Monday night? Plus, we're going to talk a little green and gold. We're in the offseason still, training camp's over a month away. But who's a Packers player that we're not talking about enough? And who's that Packers player that maybe kind of makes you scratch your head? Like, not necessarily an unknown. Like, I consider Jordan Love a part of an unknown category. But that that player that we've seen, and you're just kind of scratching your head. So we're, we're going to hit that up. A couple of housekeeping notes. Again, I know you're probably getting tired of hearing this. But please be a friend. Tell a friend about the Man Cave podcast. Tell them to follow and subscribe, to listen, to give us a, a good review and a good rating on their podcasting platform so other people can find the Man Cave podcast. But let's get at it. Let's start off this podcast by hitting up some Milwaukee Brewers chat. Brewers falling to, to the Diamondbacks in game one of their series last night, 9-1, to 9-1. to one. Corbin Burns giving up six runs before the Brewers even had a chance to bat, putting themselves in a hole. And as we know, the Brewers are a team that really, 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 really struggles when they're put in a hole and, and trying to do a comeback victory. They, they really struggle with that. So when you already spot a first-place team with six runs in the first, I'm sure a lot of Brewers fans probably checked out of the game after that. So 9-1 to one loss. We know Corbin. He he struggled. I mean, you, you're looking at some. You you don't like seeing a couple of these nuggets here. Burns matched his career high for runs allowed seven, and his career low for strikeouts in a start. This is the one that really kind of jumps out to me. He threw 86 pitches, eight six, and induced just six swinging strikes. The third lowest total for any of his 90 regular season and postseason starts. Corbin this year, we went through the numbers a little bit earlier, but in case you missed it, 5-5 five and five with a 3.96 ERA. Uh, you, we went through the, you know, if we do opening day, because that was the only game in March, but 0-1 with a 7.20 ERA and five innings pitched. But if we look at the month of April, he was 3-0, and all right, with, with a 3.45 ERA and five starts. May, five starts, one and three, 3.30 ERA in his, uh, those losses. Uh, May 5th against the Giants, he went six innings, giving up just two earned runs, but charged with the loss. Uh, the other one was against the Cardinals on, uh, on May 17th, where he went six innings, gave up three earned runs. And then the other one, Houston, five innings, this was on May 22nd, five innings, five earned runs, Four home runs in that game. And June, so far, he uh, in four games, four, uh, one and one with a 4.68 ERA. And that includes that June game against Baltimore where he went eight innings and just gave up two hits 
and zero earned runs. So what level of concern do you have for one Corbin Burns this year? One, nothing. I should say zero, but, you know, it's it's like the bare minimum. Not, you don't really have any concern or anything like that. Um, Or is it 10 where you are absolutely freaking out? You're freaking out. There is something going on with Corbin Burns. Let, let's be real here. I don't know. Maybe it's a mental thing. But he is not pitching at the level that we expect of Corbin Burns. Right? A lot of high expectations this year. Not just from Brewers fans, but from all the national pundits out there. When you had all those predictions and fan graphs and, and all that stuff. There was a lot of expectations for, for Corbin Burns. Cy Young talk, strikeout leader talk, ERA talk, wins, most wins. And he's not going to do it this year. It's just not Unless he goes on this absolute fantastic tear for the rest of half of the season. And even then, I don't know if he can do that but or catch up to that, but it's it's not going to happen. So what's, what's going on with, with Corbin Burns? It's been so up and down. You, you look at that performance against Baltimore, like, all right. And then, you know, you look at last night, it's like, dude, so up and down here. I don't know if it's a mental thing. You know, I'm sure some people are already kind of going back to a few years when, you know, it was his first full year as a starter. And he just couldn't keep the ball in the ballpark. I think what he ended up down in, like, the pitching lab, it wasn't even just AAA. I mean, it was just not working. Even when he went to AAA, it wasn't working. He goes down to the pitching lab and trying to figure everything out. Bounces back very nicely and has had a really, really good last couple of years. Winning a Cy Young, being one of the game's best pitchers, for, for crying out loud. So what's what's the dealio for, for this year? And it's not like he's like baseball's worst pitcher or he's not like he's, you know, no offense, but he's not like Jeff Supon or how we feel when Jeff Supon was on the mound for for the Brewer, even like Matt Garza towards the end of his career. But it's not the Corbin Burns that we we expected this year. And I'm sure some will probably speculate, and that's all we're doing right now is trying to speculate maybe what's going on a little bit with, with Corbin Burns. But I'm sure some will speculate that, okay, is he still kind of teed off, reeling from the arbitration hearing? You know, that whole... You know, do we? I don't know if we need to revisit what happened with with the arbitration. But remember, spring training, he talked a little bit about it, and you know, he kind of alluded that uh, in the meeting, the Brewers pretty much, according to Corbin, and I'm paraphrasing. You know, he was a big reason why they didn't make the postseason, putting it a little bit on Corbin's shoulders and and such. And where we're all like, really, what the heck are the Brewers doing? What is Matt Arnold? Was Mark Anasio? What what are they doing? Why would they even do something like that? And then I was one who thought, okay, this is going to be a guy that is going to go out there and use that as motivation this year. He's just going to go out there and he's going to have himself another Cy Young type of season. He's going to go out there and dominate, and the guy is just going to make more coin. He's going to he's going to pry way if there was even a shot. The Brewer signing him for a long term, which was minimal to begin with, 
But if they're, he's going to go out there and he's going to pitch lights out and he's going to take away any shot whatsoever that the Brewers would have in signing him to a big deal because it's just going to be too much. So he'll be one of baseball's highest-paid players. I thought he would use that as motivation. Maybe he's trying and it's just not working. I don't know, but I'm sure a lot of people, and I'm one of them, I'll admit it, you, you kind of wonder, is, is, is it a mental thing right now? Is it focus? Is it something? Is it maybe it's something with uh, with the mechanics? A little bit here too. But I think it's fair to say that's. I mean, right? It's fair to say that there's something, something that's bugging Corbin Burns right now. Corbin after the game saying. Uh, talking about the Diamondbacks and how aggressive they were right away. They were like that the last time we played. They came out and they swung the bats. That's the reason we were able uh, uh, to go deep in that game the last time we faced them. We knew they were going to come out swinging. I just didn't execute early in that first inning. Two pitches in, we had first and third with nobody out. Really, the first three hitters kind of changed the game for me. To answer my own question, my level of concern, I'm probably, maybe it's a little too high. Maybe just a, a, a skosh too high. I'm at about I'm at about uh, a six. I'm at about a six right now. I don't want to cop out and say like five, you know, be in the halfway there. Um, but I just it's not not the Corbin we expect. And for a team. And yes, there's more pressure on him this year because well he's gotta be one of those leaders, the one of those guys that has to Go out there and and lead this team to a uh, lead this team to a, a playoff spot. There's more pressure on him. He's got to step up, and and right now he hasn't been doing that on a consistent rate. Once in a while he has, but not consistently. A couple of uh, tweets here. You can uh, hit me up on uh, Twitter at d a n k s p e r. My if you said my frustration level with Corbin Burns, then it would be at a seven or an eight. This guy seems like he doesn't even like care to be out there for the Brewers right now. I wish he would just dial in and get it done. Uh, I've got another tweet here. Or excuse me, this is a text, not a tweet. Uh, another text here. I'm at an eight with him right now. I'm definitely concerned. All these high expectations, and I'm wondering if it's a mental thing, like you kind of alluded to. This is from uh, this is from Eric, by the way. But uh, Eric's going with uh, with an eight, with an eight. Uh, another text here. This is from David. I'm at about a six with uh, with Corbin Burns on my concern level. He's been so inconsistent this year, and listening to his post game pressers, it just seems like. He's so lackadaisical that does he even want to be out there for the Brewers? I've been seeing some people kind of saying that on on social media uh, a little bit. Now, I don't know how much I kind of personally play into that because, you know, I don't think when you're at a major league level, whether you're in a, whether it's major league baseball or the NFL or, or the NBA, or, or wherever, at any high level, college, whatever. I think one thing, if you're an athlete, you can't get too high and you can't get too low. You, you can't overreact 
to a certain game or or a couple games here, whether they've been bad or good or whatever. I think the best way to go about it is try to be even keel. And I think that's I personally think that's what's what that's what Corbin is doing. So I don't know necessarily if he's out there and just, you know, being lackadaisical or doesn't care from you know, from some people saying about his post press conferences and such, but I just I feel like he's trying to be even keel and not try to get too high, not try to get too low and not try to panic or, or anything like that. That's that's just my thoughts personally. So uh the other question I kind of threw out there for you Brewers fans was if the Brewers were to be buyers before the trade deadline cuz there's another one up on mob.com potential trade fits for 10 players on the rise. And they got a couple of bullpen pitchers from the Royals that they've listed the Brewers as potential fits. You've got Scott Barlow, right-handed pitcher, and Chapman. Remember all we all remember Chapman, right? But uh, they've got that's the only one where they've got the the Brewers listed as as potential fits right there. So bullpen arms, would you agree that that's necessarily the the biggest need for for the Brewers? That if they were going to be buyers, that they should go and, and get some arms and and add them to the bullpen. I think for me, I'm I'm looking for another bat. I just don't know. Would it be a DH? How much more time do you give Jesse Winker? You know, Willie Adamas. You're you're looking at the year he's been having. You know, you're talking about a guy that we were talking about at the beginning of the year. You know, could the Brewers keep him long term? Give him a big contract. Keep him around right now. And you look at what the the season that Willie Adamas has been having uh, so far. Right now, he's hitting two oh two. He's got ten home runs. Didn't collect a hit last night, but at one point it was at 198 last night. Uh, but 202 with an on base of just a 286. His OPS is down from his career numbers, too, at 650. Your, your guys that you were counting on to be kind of your, your focal parts of your offense just aren't getting it done this year on a, on a consistent base. Even Rowdy Telez. You know, Rowdy Telez is still leading the team in home runs with 12. But you look at what he's done recently in his last 95 games, or excuse me, his last 95 at-bats, Rowdy Telez had just, has just two home runs, and he's hitting just 200 with an on-base of just 255 and is only slugging 295. So, I mean, his OPS so far this season is still at a 718, still below his career averages of a 761, and his on-base is... Just a, you know nine behind his career average, two ninety six and a three hundred five. His batting average is actually, you know, pretty close to his career average so far this year. He's hitting two twenty five and he's a career two thirty five hitter. But you look at his last ninety five at bats and guys only got two home runs and hitting just two hundred and slugging just two ninety five. Yet there's Christian Yelich getting it, kind of getting it done at the top of the lineup right now. 272 this year. But Willie Adamas hasn't been consistent. Roddy Telez, yeah, he's displayed a little bit of pop, little bit of pop here and there, but again, consistent. And Jesse Winker, I think, has been uh, a big disappointment so far for the Brewers. Playing in that DH spot. Brewers hoping to 
maybe get a little bit of that magic that he had when he was with the Reds. Last year was a down year with Seattle, but a lot of people thought, okay, going back to a hitter's ballpark, going back to the National League Central, he'll be able to resurrect his career. And I know he spent some time on the injury list and such, but he's been a disappointment this year. Guys that were expected to be main contributors for the offense just aren't doing it so far. Summer is a busy time. Holidays, vacations, get-togethers, which also means you're going to need a lot of food. So you need a go-to place you can trust that has the widest selection of products with the best prices and the best fuel saver program in the Chippewa Valley. That's Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. From their meat department, deli, bakery, and more, Hy-Vee has you covered for all those get-togethers and vacations for this summer. Plus, save more money for your vacations with their epic fuel savers program. Make it a memorable and epic summer with the help from Hy-Vee. Have you started planning your summer vacations yet? Making that checklist of things you need to do before that vacation? Now let me ask you the next question. Are you confident your vehicle can handle that road trip that you're planning? If you hesitated, the answer is no. So here's what you do. Just visit Toys and Ford and check out their new and used inventory to upgrade that vehicle of yours. Or you can schedule an appointment with their service center to get your vehicle ready for that road trip. Make your vacations this summer more memorable with the help from Toys and Ford. Let's chat some Green Bay Packers now. And I want to talk about who is the the player that we're not discussing or talking about that that we should be talking about this offseason and then who is like the the most confusing player for for you now i don't consider jordan love a confusing player i consider him more of an unknown player so let's start it off with with the confusing player you know for my confusing player i'm confused with that too uh i'm for my confusing player i went with darnell savage because well, first-round pick from what would it be four or five years ago now was in the same draft with uh, Rashawn Gary. And I know Matt LaFleur had said earlier in the offseason that you know the, Savage is going to be having a bigger role within his defense, a bigger part, putting him in position to to be more successful and such. And, and I, I guess I'm kind of curious to see how that's all going to play out. He's essentially safety number one for, for this defense right now. And a lot of the minicamp practices and such, it's been Ford who's lined up next to him. We'll see if Owens maybe cracks that once they get into um, you know training camp and preseason games and and and, and that sort of thing. Um, so uh, again, I'm I'm really confused, Dave. I don't know what you mean by Baltimore, um, but um, you know what? What type of role can Savage have within this defense that would be expanded, or what kind of role would you know? What position would Joe Barry and his defense put him in to succeed more? He's struggled to cover tight ends throughout his career. He's got speed. He's been, you know, he's even said himself that maybe he would be better at playing the nickel role, playing a nickel cornerback and such. But I just I'm confused on. What I guess it boils down to, I'm really confused on what exactly could the Packers do, what could Joe Barry do that would make him you know, a legit number one safety. We've seen some good plays from him. You know, We've seen his, his speed, but it's been so up and down that I'm just really confused on what type of player Darnell Savage could ultimately be ultimately be is he going to be a long-term starting safety in this league could he be the the future starting safety uh for for the packers 
you know, after this year? Could he be a long-term fixture there? I, I don't know. A lot's going to depend on on the play of him from this year. And given the four years that we've seen from him, I'm just really confused from what we've seen. It's been so up and down. And honestly, it's probably been a little bit more down uh, than, than, than recent. So he's been he's my pick for for most confusing player right now. If I had to make a pick for the player we're not talking about enough uh, this year, the player that we're not talking about enough this year. Um, and I'm not going to go with any of the rookies. I, I, I'm I'm wiping the rookies off that. I would probably go. I might go Josiah DeGuara on this one, and, and hear me out here a little bit. You know, Josiah DeGuara was originally drafted to be kind of that H-back type of pick. You know, the halfback, fullback, whatever you want to call it, but lined up in the backfield, catching passes out of the backfield. Kind of the trend we've been seeing with some of these fullbacks as of late. And we really haven't seen a whole lot from him. And I know, you know, he had an ACL injury and missed missed a lot of time. But you look at his numbers so far throughout his very, very young career. You know, rookie in 2020. But, you know, career-wise, he's got 39 catches, just 371 yards. Does have a couple of touchdowns and, and such. If you want to break it down, you know, throughout uh, season by season here. You know, uh, 2020, he just played in those two games. 12 yards on, on one catch. 2021, played in all played in 16 games. 25 catches for 245 yards. Last year, played in every single game. 13 catches on 15 targets. 111 yards. And maybe this kind of plays into the whole expectation that the offense is going to look a little bit different that and I know Matt LaFleur kind of brushed it off and laughed at that notion but the more typical Shanahan LaFleur offense DeGuar might be a little bit more of a role in there but I think with Jordan Love now at quarterback and especially maybe earlier in the season you know you got rookie tight ends in play here there's going to be some growing pains there's going to be some you know getting used to whether it's within his offense, playing in the NFL, new quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think Josiah DeGuara could be a nice safety valve for Jordan Love, especially earlier in the season. And from the very, very small glimpses, small sample sizes that we have seen when Love and DeGuara have been on the field together, Love seems to have a connection with him, which which makes sense because you know I, I kind of laughed a couple weeks ago I chuckled, maybe not laugh, but chuckled a little bit when there was this uh, when there was this uh, uh, notion out there, or or these articles, these blogs that were just running all across the world that Romeo Dobbs and Jordan Love look like they've developed a connection so far in minicamp. Like they they look like they're on the same page, and I'm like, do you, we not remember last year? Like, we saw it in the preseason, you know, when Jordan Love was the only guy playing and, and Romeo Dobbs was, you know, like the only rookie wide receiver outside Samari Torrey playing because Christian Watson was hurt. We saw it all preseason with Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs. So, but it makes sense because these guys, these backups, like Jordan Love, we, we see it a lot with these backup quarterbacks, 
you know, they kind of they hone in on one guy or a couple guys. It's because it's the the guys usually that they spend a lot of time practicing with, whether it's scout team and during the season or or like training camp. They they develop these connections, and that's where a lot of times when you see a backup quarterback come in, they they kind of hone in on a guy or two because that's the guy that they've been working with the most, and that's their that's their comfort level, that's their safety valve a little bit. So. You know, rewind the last couple of years. Jordan Love and Josiah DeGuara have been on the field a lot together, and in some of the play mop-up duties that that Jordan Love has been in, guy that he has kind of targeted a lot. Or in the, and when I say a lot, I mean more times than not because there's not a whole lot of opportunities or targets there. It, but it's been DeGuara, and part of me just kind of looks at this. Okay, you've got your your veteran wide receivers are Watson and Romeo Dobbs, second year guys. Your tight ends. Your top two tight ends are going to be rookies. You've got Aaron Jones and you've got AJ Dillon. They they get taught we we talk about those guys all the time. But one player that I think that maybe we're not talking enough of enough about that might have an impact this year, especially earlier in the season might be Josiah DeGuara because maybe he is going to be that safety net for for Jordan Love. Maybe he's going to be that you know that quick out if nothing's developing down the field or nothing's you know working across the middle. There's some miscommunication and such. There's good old 81 Josiah DeGuara just sitting there in the flat. Throw it out to him. He's gonna pick you up six yards, seven yards, whatever it may be. I think DeGuara is a guy that maybe we're you know he's not the the flashiest player, so we're not talking about him a lot. He's not a rookie or. Or, you know, a second-year guy like a Christian Watson who we're hoping makes a, a big jump this year. He's not an established guy like an Aaron Jones who you know what to expect from. He's just Josiah DeGuara, halfback for the Green Bay Packers that might catch a ball once in a while, or that's what he was the last couple of years. But now, maybe a little bit more of a focal part in the offense, and maybe maybe a guy like Jordan Love might look to get him the ball a little bit more than what one Aaron Charles Rogers did in in the last couple of years too. I think that's that's going to be my pick for the for the player that I don't think we're we're talking enough about that. If I were to make a bold prediction here on June twentieth, I, I, I I'm going to go with Josiah DeGuara. Thinking outside the box here a little bit for for a bunch of different reasons. And especially earlier in the season too. Uh, we had a couple more picks uh, on the uh, on the uh, on the on the texting line here. Tyler said that uh, last year's first round picks will Walker be better and not make dumb plays? No, Dean Lowry and uh, Reed. Wyatt needs to play. Are are you? So is that your uh, Tyler? Is that your picks for uh, the players we're not talking enough about, or the most confusing uh, confusing players out there? Uh, for we got a couple more picks here for the uh, the players that we're not talking enough about. Uh, Eric is going with AJ Dillon uh, for, for a pick on here. We've got uh, we've got Ben. Okay, he went with a rookie. I'm not. I, I took rookies out of mine, but he's going with the rookie. He's going with the the wide receiver from Michigan State, Reed, as as being a, uh, a player we're not talking about. I think with him spending a lot of time in the slot. He's going to be over the middle and be a nice quick out for Jordan Love for this season. I could see that. I could see that. Uh, most confusing player. We got an Eric Stokes pick. 
I know it might not be fair since he got hurt last year. This is from uh, this is from Travis. Uh, he got hurt last year, but uh, I'm really confused on when he does come back. One, will he be a starter, or will it still be Rasul Douglas and obviously Jair Alexander? And two, will he be able to still showcase that speed after suffering those lower leg injuries? Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Uh, Jeremy's going to go with uh, another rookie here. Uh, the kicker, Carlson, is a position that you cannot lose games with. Yeah. If you want to go rookies, again, I, I, I took rookies off the table here because uh, to me they're all an unknown at this point. I, I kind of put all my all the rookies under the category of unknown because I don't know what the heck to expect from them. So uh, We've got another pick here. This one is from, uh, this one is from Chris. For uh, the player that uh, we're not uh, talking enough about, player we're not talking enough about is Preston Smith. You got Rashawn Gary uh, coming back from an injury. Who knows when he'll be back and if he'll be back at the same level. Lucas Van Ness as a rookie. Preston Smith is a guy that needs to step it up this year and be the number one edge rusher until one of those youngsters takes it away from him. Nobody is talking enough about Preston Smith this year. Interesting pick. You know, obviously Surveyor picked Rashawn Gary. Lucas Van Ness is a rookie. And then you got uh, the good old veteran still there, Preston Smith. Preston Smith. Yeah, yeah maybe. Definitely. Uh, the player that I'm most confused about this year is Rasul Douglas. Can he play outside corner? Or is he still, like a lot of people assume, better suited to play safety? Okay, yeah, that's from um, excuse me, that's from Randy uh, here this morning. So a lot of you going with uh, with some different routes out there. I like it. Well, hey, that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Again, thanks to Toyson Ford and High V for helping us bring you the Man Cave Podcast. I'm your host Dan Casper, and I'll talk to you next time on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. A couple of quick reminders for you. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message, whether it's a comment, analysis, or a question for a question and answer segment, just get that link in the podcast description. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. This helps other people find the Man Cave Podcast. And be a friend and tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to the Man Cave Podcast.